0: Hey, good morning, Grace Church. Delighted to see so many happy faces all in one place. We are spoiled, are we not? What a delightful group. What a beautiful, what I would call, Grace Church family. Amen. That's what we're going to preach on today. Hey, can you just pray with me one more time? Let's all just pause and acknowledge God in this place. God, we thank you that your divine presence, your anointing is in this place. You have blessed us with your precious Holy Spirit. Because of the finished work of the cross, we have fellowship with you. And you know us so well. You've called us to know you. And I pray today, Lord, as we dive deeper into your word, into your scriptures, that we would know your heart. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Well, thank you so much for being here and uh, online. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us. You're also part of our extended family. Um, and, And just thank you for tuning in. There's a lot of places to be, right? You could be on the golf course. Look at this beautiful morning. You decide to be with the Grace Church family, and we're delighted. So thank you so much. Well, hey, we're in a series called a mission. I like the word mission more than vision because I like we need both, right? We need vision and mission, but mission has sort of a "let's go forth," right? It has like feet to it, right? This is and it has more of an action to it, right? So that's why we call it mission instead of just vision, right? Um, but I'm in and I'm, I'm on a roll here to say that church. Uh, should feel like a hospital. And then I talked about that last week. You can catch up online if you missed that, but church should also feel like a family. Amen, somebody. But if we're missing then the army, which we'll talk about later in this series, it should have all those elements to it, right? So, but today I want to hone in and say church should be a family. And what does that actually mean? Somebody say family. You're part of something. And if we're not careful, we can miss these elements or... Just be not intentional about it, right? And think it happens by accident. And what I want to say before I go far, too far into this series again is that the hospital, the family, and the army side of what a church culture should be, I don't want to come across in a way that makes you feel like it doesn't exist. I'm coming into something that's been built and you've been building on for 40 years, right? And so when I talk about it, I don't want you to, to, to hear me say that it doesn't exist. But what I am convinced... Amen, somebody, is that we're not only building upon something that's already been happening here, but that we're also expanding and we're tearing out some walls and expanding it further. Is that okay? Tent pegs are being ripped up in some areas and extended, but not because it doesn't exist, because God's saying grow, healthy things grow. Amen. So today, I wanna talk about family. And um, hey, I was married to my beautiful wife, Alicia, all the way back in the year of our Lord, 1999. That makes me old, come on, somebody. Been married for 24 years. And uh, when when I came into the Griner family, and uh, hey, we're blessed to have Calvin and Steph Griner here today. Alicia's parents are sitting right here. Um, Beautiful, beautiful parents. And, and what I would call a family feel, right? And so uh, I, I, got, I was dating Alicia for a while, and I wanna tell you about holidays. The Griner family does this. I didn't tell you, I was gonna tell the story, did I? But the Griner family knows how to celebrate holidays. Way more than I was accustomed to. They get out the fine china. They make all the vegetables you can imagine the, the big turkey, you know, and all this for Thanksgiving and, and all the stuffings and all of this. And um, I remember after I married Alicia, having celebrated, I can't remember which holiday. It might have been Christmas, might have been Thanksgiving. I really don't remember. But one of those after I was married to Alicia. And after you stuff yourself, we're Americans, so we have to overeat on holidays. It's what we do. It's part of our culture, right? You eat about three times more than your body should should have in that moment. And I'm ready to settle into a food coma um, Thanksgiving or Christmas. I think it might have been Thanksgiving. I don't remember. And I'm just ready to almost like pass out. I'm almost incoherent because of all the massive amounts of beautiful food that I ate. And I hear Calvin say to me, he said, Vern, you're you're now part of this family, and the men of the house clean up the kitchen. You remember that? I was like, kill me now. I, I don't have <laughs> in the culture I grew in, in the culture I grew up, which is the old order Pennsylvania Dutch culture, that was a woman's job, right? <laughs> no, I, I had actually long, long been, been out of that culture. But but I just wasn't accustomed to that. Why? Because I was still in my mind, come on, a guest in the house and treated it like a wonderful guest in the house. So welcome, interactive, you know, a lot of chat chatter going on, but something switched in my mindset that day that I really want to translate to church culture, kingdom culture is to say that day I realized I was a family member. And didn't we slave side by side, Calvin, for the next hour, two hours, whatever, putting all the fine china back to where it belonged, then all of this and clean up the dish. And we still to this day, I would have to say, uh, you know, it's not just the men in the house, is it anymore? Times have changed, you know, but we all sort of pitch in. We're all here to clean up and we're all here to participate. Are you a guest in the house? Or have you crossed over into, I'm a family member, and I feel like a participator? If you still feel like a guest in the house, in the kingdom, in church culture, my question is why? And um, I don't know that I can answer that for each one of you, but my question is why? And you should be asking yourself that question, why? What has happened along the way? What is unhealthy? And where have I been stunted? Come on, somebody. Where have I paused and not crossed over into i 'm a family member, and so in in the words of my father in law Calvin today, I want to say to you, family members you 're not a guest in this house anymore you 're part of the family now. let 's get up and get busy in the kitchen. Amen, somebody Amen. So <clears throat> one of my favorite moments, thank you, Calvin. <laughs> so first of all, we belong to God, and that 's important, and I want to return to that, but I want to read this because first of all, in scripture. We belong to God's family, and he literally calls us his kids, right, uh, in John 1, 12, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, right? And so that is our core identity, children, sons, daughters of the most high God. Very, very important. And then he says, you're part of something else. You're part of a family, and we recognize this. There's so many scriptures to read, but I just have to pick and choose. Um, we only have a, a few minutes, right, to get them all out. But we recognize how this works in this one story where where, um, I'm going to just read it. In Matthew 12, starting at 46, while Jesus was speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers, they stood outside and they wanted to speak with him. They expected, I'm a mom, I'm a brother. I would have the right to get Jesus' attention more than all these other people that he's with. And they called, you know, she pulled the mom card. (laughs) I'm your mom. Let me in. Right. And I'm your brother. Let me pass the door. But he replied to the man who told him, it's like whisper down the lane, told this guy, that guy, that guy, finally got to Jesus. There's people here waiting to see you. He replied to the man who told him, he's trying to just teach a lesson. He's not trying to diss his family because you can see it all through scripture. He loved his family. He said, who is my mother and who is my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples. He said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother, in other words, my family. Those who do the will of God are followers, right, of God most high and now followers of Jesus. They are my family. And I just want to drive that home today that he had a revelation to share and you should be living in a sense of this is my spiritual family. We can call it church family, spiritual family, kingdom family, whatever terminology. I might use them all interchangeably or at the same time. That's what I'm talking about. Romans eight twenty nine. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. That's revelation. Come on, somebody. We are brothers in the same kingdom and sisters in the same kingdom that Jesus brought us into. And he was the firstborn among many brothers. Well, let's pause and talk about today's culture. Can we Can we bust on it just a little bit? The country you and I live in and the culture that we've been blessed <laughs> to, to live in. There's many, many things to be thankful for. Let me talk about some of the the, the things that, in my opinion, are not so good because I believe kingdom culture, uh, as we live out kingdom culture, it combats these evils that are coming at us all the time. Number one, consumerism. There is a consumerism mindset ingrained deep in our culture that says, I'm here to take, I'm here to consume, but I'm not here to contribute. In other words, I'm, I'm just here to be a guest. Give me something. <laughs> Give me something fun to hang on to. All of you have that weird relative in your, in your extended family somewhere, that weird uncle. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just busting on it because, right? They show up. They eat all the food. They don't bring anything, not even a bag of chips, and they definitely don't help clean up afterwards, right? But they're hoping you send leftovers home with them. <laughs> you don't know who that is? It's not you. Trust me. You guys are not those people. You're not the weird relative. But it's a consumerism mindset. I've come to receive, not to participate, not to share anything. Amen? Kingdom culture combats that like crazy. It's opposite. Kingdom culture is opposite of that. And so if we want a family feel in this place, a family culture, we have to combat the consumerism mindset. In our culture, we live in the most noncommittal, somebody say non-committal culture that I believe has ever existed on planet earth. I could be wrong about that because I haven't always lived on planet earth, you know, hundreds of years ago, but uh, authors have written about this and people have studied this and, and, and declare that to be true. I, I don't know if it is true, but it's a little bit of a mindset of like, I'm here unless something better comes along. And I will quickly like, ditch the thing that I said yes to and go to something else or something better. So it's like a holdout unless something better comes along, but that's oftentimes why in the culture we do things in small segments of, you know, uh, attend, you know, we, uh, my my last class that I did was only six classes long on the Holy Spirit. We talked about Holy Spirit, baptism, tongues, and all that stuff, and practice prophetic gifts. It was a fantastic class, and I'll I'll definitely want to do it again sometime, but 50 people signed up, 30 people attended, But at any one six of those classes, I'm talking about in Lebanon at Lifeway, it was never the same 30. (laughs) Right? And that's actually normal in our culture today. I'm busting on it a little, but I'm part of that normal. (laughs) I'm actually part of that. And so are you. That's actually fairly normal in our culture today to get a kind of half-hearted, sort of pseudo-noncommittal response. Okay, you just have to know that. That's all. Because kingdom culture, as Jesus becomes alive in us, starts to starts to move and maybe you know convict us a little bit along those lines. Doesn't mean you know if you skip church, I'm going to come after you. I'm not saying that. Um, our culture is filled with skepticism. Somebody say skepticism. It's a little slow to trust, and sometimes rightfully so. But this word cynical probably describes our culture as well, like cynicism kind of rooted in bitterness, a little bit of expecting the worst, like expecting more bad to happen, right? It's a little bit of a doom and gloom culture. Let's call it skepticism for now. Also, our culture is riddled with what I would call indifference and aloofness. You ever, you ever like realize how our culture has shifted in the past 10 years? And I think I'm right about this, where you will encounter more and more and more people that are in your presence, but don't even see you. And come on, we live in the Northeast. We're all guilty of this, honestly, unless you're from the South. <laughs> but Southern charm is actually a real thing. We go to South often on vacation, been there many times, and it's very, very normal for them to just see you as you're driving by on the road and they don't know you and they're waving at you for no reason, right? It's like, you know, in my, my North another <laughs> Northern mindset, I'm like, they don't know me. This is weird. Uh, in the grocery store, they're greeting you in the aisles, right? And so it's a, it's a little bit of a southern hospitality culture. Up north, it's very common for an aloofness. And here's what's happened in our culture. Um, you know, our, our brains are just filled with dopamine because of all the, the media and the gaming and some, some guys and girls who game all night, right? And so um, some of you are like, why is he busting on me? I don't know. Because if the shoe fits where? I don't know who you are. <laughs> But what happens is because now kids are actually gaming so much and social media so much, there's so many apps to have on your phone and on your gadgets that it's hard to snap back into real life. And what it causes in our culture is this thing called aloofness. I'm, I'm around people, but I don't even see people. My brain is somewhere else. I remember going through some seasons where I was just so busy with my life in, in production management where Alicia told me, like, you're home, but you're not home like you're here, but you're not here, right? And so I know what that feels like. I wasn't busy gaming and I was just busy with life because I had so many things on my brain. And so we have to combat that. And kingdom culture, come on. Kingdom culture combats that. And if you want a family feel, we're those kingdom minded people that say, I see you and I know you. I'm learning your name. I want to be around you. You are worth acknowledging. Come on, somebody. We're called to the to be countercultural. And there's many more things to talk about, but we're called to be countercultural to those things. And I picked those things because a family feel in a church setting like this and a kingdom culture combats those, um, what I would call strongholds of the enemy. Amen. So we represent Jesus in this place. There's There's so many more scriptures that I wanted to talk about, but I had to cut them down. But I want to go to this one. Lots more scriptures reveal what I would call a family aspect to the kingdom. But check out, let's check out how they function in the book of Acts in the early church. I just want to read this and point a few things out. Acts 2, starting at verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves, somebody say devoted. Hmm, I'll come back to that. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many, and many signs and wonders, wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, and as any had need, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I'm gonna pause there. I just love reading how they functioned back then. But I wanna draw attention again to the fact that what they did right there was intentional. They devoted themselves to teaching, and it says, and to the fellowship. So lest there's a mindset here, come on, that says if we're filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire, these things just kind of happen. Probably not, unless we devote ourselves intentionally in some way to see the kingdom of God activated in this place. And they actually were intentional, I believe, in saying, this is what we're called to do. I intentionally reach out. I intentionally notice my neighbor. I intentionally give them give to someone in need. I intentionally learn who they are and bring them into my fellowship, into my space. Come on, let's be the anti-click church, shall we, somebody? And I think we already are, but I would guard against that that says, I have my people. I have my space. I don't really have time to invite anyone into it. Um, you know, we'll return to that. Okay. But let's just say they devoted themselves, meaning they were intentional to create an atmosphere that they believe God had called them to. Let's look at this John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And in my translation alone, it was at least eleven times in the translation I was reading. Love one another. Love one another. Have you ever Googled or whatever? Go into your Bible app, um, whatever you have, and just type in a search for one another, and they include all these things that should be in a church family, such as this. All the one another passages include comfort one another. It would take me a while to read through all of these. It says, Comfort one another, be hospitable to one another, be devoted to one another, give preference to one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, showing tolerance for one another, accept one another, greet one another, bear one another's burdens. There you go. Speak truth to one another, be kind tenderhearted, forgiving one another, love one another, love one another, again and again and again. What What I'm telling you is if we have a mindset that I can be a Christian with kind of an autonomous, an unhealthy autonomous mindset or living in isolation, you can rip those pages right out of your Bible. You're not really needing them, right? Because all those things are done in the context of relating to God's kids, your brothers and sisters. Amen, somebody? Can you be a Christian alone in the desert? Yes, (laughs) you can. (laughs) So I'm not saying that if you're isolated, um, especially those watching online, so please don't don't hear something I'm not saying, of course. But how Christianity is supposed to be lived out clearly in scripture is in relationship one with another. All these scriptures can hardly be fulfilled if you don't have these people in your life. How can you forgive someone, love someone, comfort someone, if you're never around someone, amen, somebody? So these one another scriptures are hard to do apart with from genuine, authentic connections with other people. We're not called to live in isolation. We're not called to live in separation. Um, I met with one of the government officials, and I forget what his actual title was in Lebanon County, but he happens to have an office in the mall where Lifeway uh, planted their church in the Bosco's Mall in in Lebanon County. And um, I forget, was he a, a, a commissioner or something like that? And uh, we were going to have a grand opening. and cut the ribbon after we built part of the mall to make it a church, right? And he, he came over from his office and did a little speech. His name was Russ Diamond, and he, you know, he, he was a conservative Christian guy and in, in, in running for political office. And uh, I asked him privately, and I said, can you tell me what Lebanon County actually needs from your perspective? What do you run into? And he said, the biggest thing that we run into, in my opinion, that does the most damage to people in this culture is isolation, which causes an incredible amount of loneliness. He said, what you're doing here as a church, what you're creating is a culture of togetherness, which combats what he would say, loneliness, a devastating, devastating um, thing in our culture, Amen, somebody? And I believe it's the same here, that what we create here is a sense of togetherness that combats a really ugly um, plan of the enemy uh, that that actually brings loneliness to our culture. Psalm 68, 6 says, God settles the solitary in a home. Another translation says the lonely. God settles or plants the lonely in a home. And I want to pause right there and say we are that home in one degree right it includes your homes where you actually live and breathe and, and go to sleep at night but it includes this place too this house th- this house where we're in right now now you still good i'm going to go into what i call five intentional steps to maintain or build family culture i know that's a long phrase five intentional steps that i believe that if we partner with the lord in come on christianity can't be done in your own strength right I'll, I preach that again and again and again. But as we partner with God and his desire, we say, Holy Spirit, help me in this. Five intentional steps to maintain and build a family culture in this place, because we value it so much. Number one, get this, receive the Father's love. Yep. It's hard to give something that you yourself haven't received. 1 John four nineteen. we love, why? Because he first loved us. Now, when you experience that, now when you say, I'm going to intentionally love my neighbor, my brother, my sister, you actually have an impartation from God himself to give out. And people feel that and they know it. They'll say, well, it's like he's been with Jesus or something. Galatians 4, starting at 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, this is daughters as well, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer slaves, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Receive, 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 and receive. First and foremost, you have to receive your identity in him. And you know that I don't care if you have to park yourself in front of the mirror until you get it and speak to that person that you're seeing and say, son, daughter, son, daughter, and cry out in your heart, Abba, Father, I belong to you. I am part of your family. Now we're ready for number two. Amen, somebody? Yes. Number two, this might hit some of you a little weird, develop social skills. How you jump from something so spiritual to develop social skills? <laughs> is social skills in the Bible? I want to I tell you where it actually is in the Bible. This was a fun study. The Bible actually talks about social skills that we're supposed to intentionally adopt. Let's start with Proverbs 18, 24. And I picked the New King James Version for this one. I usually do ESV, but it's New King James because it says it the, the way that I remember it. A man who has friends... Must himself be friendly. Ooh. I don't have any friends. I don't know. Nobody talks to me. No one shakes my hand. No one looks at me. I've encountered many of these people, and so have you. And they have yet to tell their face that they want a friend. <laughs> even, even the smile is lacking, right? Right? I kid you not. I actually, we used to have a, a, this is going back really far. We used to have a distant neighbor who lived in kind of the same, soon after we were married, who lived in the same complex. And and, and we didn't know him super well. And he was completely 100% antisocial. And so we would wave, never waved. Look, you know, all this, look, okay, he's mad at us. We just don't know why, right? I kid you not. When we launched Lifeway Church, um, years of year, many, many years later, we launched Lifeway Church like seven years ago. This gentleman showed up, guest visitor at our church, and I, I recognized him immediately when he was coming in the door as that antisocial neighbor. Right? <laughs> Alicia's like, I remember that dude. <laughs> Couldn't even get him to look at us or say hi ever. He came into the church lobby, somehow made it past the greeters. The greeters, he wouldn't even shake their hands. He literally, I get you, he he slid along the wall of the lobby like this, past the coffee station. You know, we were meeting in the theater at the time, slid along the wall, walked along the wall, found a seat in the theater, and then after he had, you know, the full church experience, he sent us a scathing email right to the pastoral team and said, this is the most unfriendliest church I have ever attended. I was watching him because I knew him and I I went to the staff meeting and I went, I know that guy and and let me just explain what he, you know, what he's like. And And so so the pastoral team was just like upset by this scathing email going, oh my gosh, I thought we were doing a really great job of being friendly and welcoming because LifeWay is a church plant. Everyone's new. Everyone's welcoming each other. It's not like we have people here that have been attending for that long, right? We all feel new. And so, you know, anyway if you want friends, then be friendly. <laughs> Shake someone's hand. Hallelujah, somebody. There's some social skills right out of the Bible. <laughs> and and, and uh, uh, in all honesty, I, I pray for his healing. There's something going on there. I pray for his healing. Amen, somebody? I don't mean to be. <clears throat> I'm using it as anything that we did. We prayed for him right then and there. I say, Lord, bless him. Set him free. 2 Corinthians 13, 12. Greet one another. Should I say the rest? With a holy kiss. (laughs) Okay, that's cultural. That's cultural. You don't need to do that. Don't kiss me. I ain't kissing you either. (laughs) If you're not Alicia, not kissing you. (laughs) But listen... How many times do we glaze over these scriptures that are so simple and so to the point that it's just not deeply spiritual enough for us to pay attention to, but it says it throughout New Testament again, and greet this person, greet that person, greet this group, and greet this church, and greet them with a holy kiss. That was cultural. That's what they did. We just glaze over it and go, I don't have to greet anyone. And there's the, there's the mindset that battles aloofness when we've stopped, we pay attention and say, you're worth acknowledging with a greeting. Uh, keep it American. You know, you can do a hug if they're comfortable with hugs, but start with a handshake. Start with an acknowledgement. During COVID, we learned to do more fist bumps and all that, arm bumps, and some people were even doing foot bumps, which I thought was a little weird, it looked like tap dancing a little, but... Uh, but nevertheless, you know, whatever's honoring, greet someone. Amen, somebody? shall we do that? I know you, many of you do. And again, I'm not preaching as if this doesn't exist. But I am preaching like 10 pegs are expanding. And some of you are just getting a simple conviction right now to say, I should do better. I've had that conviction many, many times. Look, if this little old Mennonite boy can learn to do this, so can you. I was raised in social dysfunction. Trust me. I was raised utter social crippledness. (laughs) And when I got my first job, this is a story that's not in my notes, but I'm going to tell it anyway. When I got my first job in a bulk food warehouse in Lebanon County, and they hired me because they knew my dad, and I knew that. (laughs) They hired me because I fit the culture. (laughs) And so, yeah, he's Alvin's kid. I think he'll do all right, you know. I didn't know how to be friendly. I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. And, and the guy who introduced me to my first job in a bulk food warehouse, you know, running forklifts and all that, he took me through a whole tour. And everybody in the, in the, in, in the, working in that warehouse shook my hand and said, welcome, we're glad to have you here. I was stunned. I was not used to that culture at all. And on my way back toward the office, I said, wow, everybody here is so friendly. And he said, and he paused and he looked right at me. He knew where I was. He said, and I'm expecting the same of you. And I went, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I am in so much trouble right now. But guess what? I learned. And I would go in in the morning and start saying hello right back to them. Heather, Heather Muncy, who comes to church here right now, she started a new job last year, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, she told me this story. She said that when she got into that office, of course, if, if you've met Heather, she's got a cheerful hello. She's gonna greet someone. And the other office lady says, we don't do that here. This is in Lancaster County somewhere. And Heather, this is what Heather says, we do now. I love that. Kingdom culture, somebody, kingdom culture is now birthed in that place in a simple way with a simple scripture that says, greet one another. Amen. Let's read Philippians 2, 3 to 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, listen, count others more significant than yourselves. Scripture actually is counteractive to the narcissism that we're experiencing in our culture today it actually talks about anti-narcissism behavior come on let each of you look not only to his own interests but also to the interests of others can i get a solid amen, amen. matthew 7:12 so whatever you wish that others would do to you do also to them for this is the law and the prophets I'm gonna move on, but I'm simply saying that social skills are in the scripture and Jesus knows that we need them and the Holy Spirit is ready to light upon us and say, where do you need help? I'm here to help you. As you pray and as you leave this place, you're gonna go, wow, I am ready to do something different than I would normally do. Maybe it's not in church. Maybe this is your safe spot. Maybe it's in your business and maybe it's in your community. But the Holy Spirit's going to help us with our social skills. Number three, make a plan. I'm going to breeze through this. I don't want to make this message ungodly long. Make a plan. What what do I mean? I've asked people time and time again, how much in your budget is set aside for friendship? Ordering pizza for friends, having guests over on your deck, ordering, come on, meat's expensive nowadays. It's doubled in price, right? (laughs) Some of it. You know, going out to eat after church, inviting someone out that you agree to pay for. If it's not in your budget, then it's not intentional. That's what I would ask people. How much is in your budget set aside for family, extended family, like church family? And if they say nothing, then I said, you know, come on, let's go back to the verse. Let's go back to the verse. For where your treasure is in Matthew 6 For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You can't tell me your heart is for this if your treasure, at least some of it, I don't care if it's a few bucks a week, and you save it up until you can afford it and invite someone just to Dunkin' Donuts. I would love that. I love iced coffee. You know, that's okay. It doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be super expensive. You get in my drift. But what's in your budget? Is there any intentionality? You tell your money where to go, or it you know, or it's gone before you know, right? How about this? What's on your calendar for family connection? If it's not on your calendar, it's hard for me to believe that it's intentional. You gotta clear some space, right? Oh come on. I know what our culture is like. We fill up every moment, we fill up every evening, we fill up every weekend, and most of it is with really, really good stuff, honestly, unless I'm talking about that guy that's gaming all night long. He's got something else going on, but <laughs> no, I'm teasing. But, um, but seriously, where on your calendar does it fit? And if it doesn't fit, that's your first conversation. Where do we have time for this? The, maybe it's even once a month. Maybe it's once a quarter. I don't know, but where is it on your calendar? Um, Some of you are like, once a week, every Friday night. Awesome. You're amazing. Ephesians 5, 15 says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Making the best use of your time. Number four, intentional practicing of church family. Number four, practice hospitality. Somebody say hospitality. I've experienced a tremendous amount of hospitality already in this place. Um, well, some of you are actually ready to receive a gift, even from the Holy Spirit, of hospitality in this place. And First Peter 4 and 9 and 10 says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Um, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And I want to go back to Leviticus and point something out that they were doing and God's instruction even to them. Old Testament, Leviticus 19 and 34, he says, you shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt as well, and I am the Lord your God. I just want to say something real quick before I move on. There's a gift of hospitality that belongs in a church family. If it's missing from a church family, then You know, we start to sway toward other things that we deem more important. But I'm telling you, it's one of the most important things that a church culture really desperately needs to hang on to and cultivate. But I don't see in Scripture where this is limited to a certain personality, an age group, a demographic, or a season of life. Well, I'm not a people person. Well, then get healing. (laughs) We'll pray for you. Now, uh, there's my sarcasm coming out a little bit. I'm really not that, you know, I really do pray for people's healing. And I believe there's mental illnesses and all that stuff. And I'm, I'm very, very sympathetic toward that. And some people do have what's called social anxieties. I understand that. I've been around those people as well. But there's healing. There's healing. Come on, somebody. There's healing in the kingdom. Back to the hospital. Listen to last week's message. This is where you belong also. While you're dealing with that, even if it's online, you still belong because we believe there's healing for you. But I have heard so many things about this. Oh, come on. At, over the years, whether it was in my production years or other church culture, we've taken personality test after personality test after personality test. And I, I like them. They're actually really interesting. And, and it, I learned a lot about the team that we're working with, the pastoral staff we're working with. We learned a lot about our bosses. They learned a lot about us. So it's, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'll probably take another one, um, Enneagram or whatever. I'll probably take another one just because I want to keep learning. But here's what happens is the mindset can set in with those things of like, well, that's not my personality, so I'm not called to. Scripture does not <laughs> say that. It may look different how you practice hospitality, for example, because that's or how you serve. It may look different because of your personality, but it doesn't excuse you from obeying Scripture, God, obeying God. Is that okay? Somebody say, ouch. Thought I was off the hook. (laughs) You're called to it in some degree. Okay, number five. Number five, let's get practical and close with Partner with Grace Church. I just call it a Partner with Grace Church, but this is where we get practical and we talk about some forward-going vision and mission. Um, Number one, family culture of course, being present like you are at meetings is very, very important. So let me just start there. This is how hanging out before or afterwards, on your way in, on your way out, getting to know someone, very, very important. Great someone with a holy kiss, amen. All right. so. But number two, interacting online is very, very important. You know, even if you can't make it here, or you're, you're from a distance away, actually just tuning in and joining. What's happening now online with our online culture is we're, we're actually getting a team of what we call online hosts up and running. We do pre-service hosting and then during service hosting, and there's a lot more chatter going on, and they're praying for each other on there, and they're sharing some of their life together, and they're still doing life together even if um, they're joining online. So it's very, very important. I just want to alert you to how we do ministry here. Let's talk more about groups and events and ministries, groups and events and ministries that create a family culture. You guys have done a lot of this over the years. I just want you to know that as Alicia and I are coming on and working with Pastor Ray, we just want to see more of this. Somebody say more, Lord. Uh, They can be one time a week, they can be be a one-time event, I mean, or they can be once a week or twice a month or ongoing or seasonal. But I think as we go back toward um, getting groups up and running, they can take on many varied um, types and levels of commitment. We need different levels of commitment for our culture, right? Some will be long, some will be short, and some will be one-time event. There was a gentleman who said, I have a farmette. I want to have like a backyard party. And he said, I don't want to limit to who can sign up. Uh, because my farm at, if more people sign up, I'm just going to get more food. He was going to, you know, roast a pig or something. 200 people signed up for his backyard farm at party. He decided to get a tent. So now it's a big tent meeting <laughs> and he decided to then get ponies. And so uh, one thing led to another, led to another. We had a reptile show stop in as uh, somebody else in the church. We had, you know, Jesse brought his snakes and someone brought ponies for the kids and there was balloons, and there was like bouncy houses, and there was, by the time it was done, it was like a festival, it didn't start out, he said, I want to have a backyard barbecue, but I don't want to limit, I don't want, he said, said, it's important to me that no one feels like they can't come, all right, well, you got 200 people, buddy, what are you gonna do with that, it was awesome, it was so much fun, and people pitched in, people brought food all over the place, and he roasted, I think, two pigs instead of one, right, and so we, and we knew how many people were coming because we had registrations. And so, but then people just brought friends. It was amazing. One time events are huge and create an incredible family feel. Various types of levels and commitments uh, I want to embrace. Groups can meet for, say, Bible studies and grow in the Lord together. You've always wanted to study the book of Revelation. What would it be like to go through it with someone else <laughs> and, and allow for the difference of opinions? Come on, somebody. Wouldn't that be fun? Those of you who love to debate. <laughs> How about, how about book studies? You know, There's just so much at our disposal. We have people meeting. Uh, I'm talking about Lifeway now because of our, our past experience. People just meet and go through a book together. Um, there's, there's groups that met for prayer. There's groups that met even for worship jam sessions in their basement or their back deck. It was, that was really fun. And then there's all the fun groups that we would love to see. Um, fun groups allow for just connection and you don't have to always be spiritual because guess what? You are who you are no matter where you are. And if you're riding bicycle together or running together, come on, the Muncies like to run at 6 o'clock in the morning. I don't think that's real for sure. I haven't actually seen it, so I'm not actually sure that they did it. I'm busting on them now. But I heard that they did run with about 20 people. I don't run unless there's a bear chasing me, and that doesn't happen (laughs) much around here. (laughs) Help me, Lord. I need to run. That would be good for me. (laughs) Ray, you would enjoy that. But anyway, they, they, they would meet. Uh, we also had a group for, for motor, uh, motorcycles, um, did, a, did a few runs. There were sports of all kinds, like like Ultimate Frisbee. People that get together for just game nights, like board nights and card nights and things like that. Target shooting, that was actually fun. Breakfast and hiking and running. And there's a day in the park, there's a couple's night out where they would all pay for a babysitters and, and all the couples would go out. Um, sometimes it was all the couples together. sometimes the couples just went on dates or separate ways, but they all you know created this this space where their kids would would be watched in a safe environment. The girls went out shopping and thrifting come on that 's fun for you, not for me, but for you uh, there's backyard barbecues there 's pool parties there's this is this is alicia 's favorite and, and my favorite one to watch because I was never invited, but she had a women 's tea and BBC at Lifeway Church where she would play uh, a BBC movie, which she, she loves, on the big screen, right? And what? There's, there's 100 there's hundred women signing up. And, and maybe, you know, at each time, maybe it's like 30 to 50 women uh, bringing food, the tea and BBC. They would eat and then they would watch one of their favorite BBC movies. Cool, right? connection somebody, family, and it was one of the, it was the biggest women's group at Lifeway, right? It was It was a big hit. In person or online, all of our, and we had various online groups, and we trained. Come on, this is another favorite story. I'm full of stories today. Y'all, y'all still okay? Yes. There was an 80-year-old couple at Lifeway Church. We're still friends to them today, and we actually showed them and helped them, number one, with their email, because they had difficult, a lot of difficulty with that. I'm not busting on you know, I'll, I'm going to be old, and then when there's flying cars, they're going to wonder why I can't keep up with technology. I'll be, I'll be in that state. But this 80-year-old couple was always willing to learn. They were so delightful, and, and we just would bring them in, or we'd go to their house and just help them get set up. And then we went through COVID. We made sure they could watch online and, and learn how that is done. They got so into technology. They bought their first smartphone. They learned how to use Zoom. Come on, somebody. Through, through COVID, And when we went through COVID, they were the first couple to have an online life group. And still to this day, that online group is still running, and they still have people joining them, and they talk through life situations, and they pray. And they're mentoring couples online from from that day. 2020 was good for something, right? And it's really cool. And so those those types of things need to be birthed and activated, and you're not too young or too old. Amen. They can have demographics of all ages. We, can have, we already have something called Grace Kids. We already have students and young adult ministries, and we're gonna continue that, and that'll grow because we care about our children, our students, our young adults. So we wanna continue offering like life-giving ministry to that, and there's events coming up uh, for all that. <clears throat> there's summer camp coming up. Save the date for July 16th, 17th, and 18th. You've heard about that. Get your kids there. That creates a family feel, does it not? But then also after summer camp, I just discovered this. Come on, this is fun. There's a family and friends day. Did I say it right? The Sunday after summer camp, right here on the Grace Church campus, there's a family and friends day where you stay afterwards for food. And we have bouncy houses and ice cream trucks and all that. So so there's the beginning works of that coming up. But that creates a wonderful family atmosphere. So save the date for July 23rd on a Sunday. Bring a friend. That'd be cool. Um, And of course, bring your kids we have, we have vision for Christmas parties. We have vision for New Year's Eve parties. And there's a lot of folks in our culture that may not have family nearby. And we love those spiritual family atmospheres to get people connected and stay connected when they may or may not have family nearby. And so Christmas parties are usually a really big hit. Family connection groups of all kinds. When I say family connection groups, it's where families can meet with other families and the kids are also invited. You can get a babysitter for your kids or not. But oftentimes, our groups actually started by sharing testimonies. What is your story? Come on, in our culture, people do not feel heard so quickly. And they haven't found that space where people actually know the good, the bad, and the ugly, and they love me anyway. That's how God treats us. He knows our crazy, he knows my teenage years, which I don't even want to talk about. I was not a great teenager, by the way. That's why I say it that way. He knows the crazy stuff that I did, and he sees my spiritual journey, but he also wants family to share journeys like that and to say, what did you learn? What have you been through? How can I stand with you, journey with you? And when uh, groups like that start by sharing their stories, it becomes a really powerful and people get to, to know each other super, super quickly. We need ministries and groups for men and women. We have some, well, I think we need more. Um, you know, I'm talking about different demographics now. Just to sort of stir you up and see what else possible. But men and women, of course, specifically. How about one for young married couples, with or without kids? There was a young married group that had to say no kids allowed because they didn't have kids yet, and they wanted to relate and do some do some fun stuff. But then there was a young married uh, group with kids, and they would again find a way to watch their kids, and they could relate. Come on, around their season of life that they were in, it was just a huge hit. Um, How about groups for senior citizens? There was a breakfast for 55 plus was a huge hit uh, back in the day. And sometimes they bring in a speaker, but um, they would fill the diner, (laughs) fill the diner with 50 to 60 people. Come on, some of you would really love that. Let's do it again. All right. How about one for parents with teens or young adults? There's actually not a lot of stuff out there for parents with teens and raising young adults. And there's not a lot of materials out there, come on, for parents with adult children that might still be coming and going in their house through college. But there's actually less material. There's a lot of material out for parents that are raising kids like toddlers. And of course, we need that as well. So groups for parents that need to learn how to discipline their kids or raise their kids or train their kids up on the way that they should go. Moms groups. I understand there was one, but we need more moms groups. Um, I'm just trying to Throw some things out there. Can I tell you something before I move on? We're secretly hoping, pastoral staff, we're secretly hoping that as Grace Church becomes like the platform or the catalyst for connection in your life, that we plan events and groups and ministries and events and groups and ministries. We're secretly hoping that you find your people to the degree that you go beyond that and you don't need us to plan it for you. Does that make sense? Take a deep breath. It's not, (laughs) it got quiet in here. What I mean is we're gonna always keep doing it and I hope you stay in the life of the party but for, for you to move into authentic relationship like I found this dude, I don't care if the church ever plans another men's event, I'm gonna have breakfast with this guy. I don't care if the church ever has another mom's group. I found this lady that I can relate to. She has kids. I have kids. We're just going to be each other's besties. Because when it goes past somebody doing it and planning it for you, you've now entered into authentic family relationship where you know your people. You know your dudes. You know your girls. Right? And kids know other kids. And now you've actually arrived at a place. Now, here's the thing. (laughs) we still need to stay involved in the life of the church. Let me preach at you just one more minute because we were part of a life group for three years at a a church called Effort Community Church. This was many other years ago before Lifeway, Effort Community Church, where Alicia and I were. We were part of that life group for a long time. And that's where I met one of my very best friends today. I met, we met there, we, we were introduced to each other, and we still talk. Matter of fact, we're gonna have coffee together Monday. Um, because we're still staying in touch. I did not necessarily become best friends with the leader of the group. He had a call, listen, he had a call upon his life for family connection within the church, not because he was needy and needed us all to be best friends with him. He had a call in his life for connection. And he created an atmosphere in his basement, his backyard, and the events that he created whereby we could all meet best friends. So don't get into this mindset where it's like, I know my people. I don't need this. Other people do. And there's people coming in that need to find a place and need to find connection. They're looking for their peeps. (laughs) They're looking for their best friends. They're looking for connection. And you are anointed to create such a place. You don't have to change your friends group. You can have your five best friends or your three best friends or, or whatever. Maybe you are looking for other best friends. Wonderful. That's a great place to be, just to admit that we need more friends. But you are anointed to create a space where connection, divine connections can happen because people need people and they'll learn to love one another in, in that space that you help to create. Is that okay? Does that make sense? There's an anointing on you. I wanna do one more thing before I close. There's <clears throat> this, this call to action is to say, kind of like I did last week, if this is you, you believe that there's a call upon your life to minister in the area of family connection in a church culture like this. I would love for you to jump to your feet. I just wanna declare a scripture over you. I wanna pray over you to say, no, I have a calling on my life to be a connector type person. Actually, it's also somewhat of a shepherd anointing, actually, because you bring people together and you bring the unity of the faith. Some of you stand up and say, that's a call upon my life. Some of you over here, over here, don't be ashamed. I'm not going to call you out and make you do something crazy right now. I just want you to acknowledge before God that you have a call in your life for this. Good, good, good. Anybody else? You're called to either lead a group. You're called to be people that connect people with people. And maybe you're called to student leadership and young adult leadership and all those things. I want to acknowledge you today and say without you, the body of Christ would be crippled. And we're not that. We're very, very thankful today that God has raised up people that say, I am anointed to bring people together and and cause them to be a family in this place. I want to read Psalm 133 over you. And the reason I want to read it is because I was thinking about the anointing over you for unity. You actually bring the unity of the faith when you bring brothers and sisters together in unity. And it's like this. I want to read Psalm 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers or sisters dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the color of his robes. It's a priesthood. And it's like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded his blessing. Right there, the Lord has commanded his blessing on you today. Right here, those of you that are standing, the Lord is commanding a blessing upon you. And he recognizes it as life evermore. I speak life over you. I speak a blessing over you. And an anointing over you. Like the anointing oil for this call that is upon your life. To create a family togetherness. And to call people forth and speak life to them in this place. In Jesus name. Thank you so much. Can we just applaud these people that have a calling on their life today. Would you all stand with me in this place. Thank you, good people. I think I went past my time a little bit. You're such a gracious audience. I told about three too many stories. (laughs) (laughs) I want you to know, rather I don't want you to leave this place if you're feeling like a guest in the house and you're feeling like I'm not sure that I'm actually a family member of the body of Christ. Have you become a brother and a sister of us and these people, but have you become a child of God? Have you said, Jesus Christ is my Lord. I, the finished work of the cross was actually for me. It reconciled me back to the Father. It is my Abba Father. And it can simply be done. And what we, what we say is you can get launched into that by recognizing your need today in this place. Every eye closed for just a moment as we close here. What this does is just give you some personal space, just a personal moment to say, I need Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. If that is you, I would love for you to shoot your hand up in the air. We will all join in prayer with you and for you in this place before we go. Shoot your hand up in the air, real high. Say, I need Jesus Christ as my Lord, my Savior. If you're watching online, just type in and say, I need Jesus. We're gonna pray with you in a moment. I see you, love you, see you, proud of you. Hallelujah. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Let's all pray together in this place. Say, Lord Jesus, I repent of all my sins. I receive your love and forgiveness. And I accept your invitation to become your child and a sibling in the faith. Holy Spirit, fill me and empower me to be an active member in your family. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's applaud those who said yes to Jesus today.